It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today we're on the campus of the University of Cincinnati, and we're broadcasting in front of a live studio audience. Let's hear it, ladies. All right. Thank you so much for that applause. We are here today to honor a student organization on campus, Greek Life. That's the sororities and the fraternities on campus here at the University of Cincinnati. And our guest is, hi, uh, Maria. How are you? Mariah. See, I already have to edit this. It's Mariah. It's Mariah. It's okay. I'm okay. And our guest is Mariah. Hi, Mariah. How are you? Good. How are you? Now, I'm doing fantastic, and I heard earlier uh, about uh, your Greek week. I know nothing about it, but I'm here to uh, give you the national award for most involved campus of the week with the Adam Rich Show because of the money raised, the organizations that see the money, how the money's raised. What can you tell us about uh, Greek week here at the University of Cincinnati? Okay, well, last year we raised $35,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and this year we have adopted a new philanthropy. It's Free Store Food Bank, and we are raising money and awareness for them and also canned goods. We have added a new event called Can We Build It, where we will have each chapter build structures out of canned goods and then donate them to Free Store Food Bank. And you said $35,000 last year was raised? Yes. And does that mean that this year, that the bar is set, it's got to be at least 35000 this year, right? Yeah. Um, I think we're planning on raising a lot more than that this year. And how are the funds raised? With fun activities, uh, canning, as I've heard, uh, where you go door to door with a can and ask for money? How, how's the money raised? Um, each chapter has their own website through a, like a mother website, and then... They are expected to raise money, and then all that money goes through our total. And we also have t-shirt sales and one event called Pie in the Face where people pay money to pie anyone they want to in the face. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Who makes the pies? Um, It's actually just a paper plate with whipped cream. Like Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, I've never seen that. I'm too old for you. I know. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, you take it just a pie pan. Who's seen Revenge of the Nerds? Come on. Okay. Well, round of applause. Who's seen Revenge of the Nerds? Okay. All right. For a second there, I thought I was 300 years old. Uh, yeah, you, t- you get a pie tin and you just fill it up with whipped cream and you donate money and throw it in somebody's face. Okay. So $35,000 last year. That is fantastic to hear. Uh, Mariah, thanks for uh, sharing that story with us. And we want to give uh, everybody here at the University of Cincinnati a huge round of applause for all of the hard work that you guys are doing. Get to know Adam at adamritz.com. Get to know the radio show at adamritzshow.com. We love catching up with former professional athletes on this broadcast. We talk a lot about fellowship and faith and service and community service and philanthropy. And we like to bridge the gap between those topics and um, professional athletes. And now we're joined by somebody that can absolutely bridge those topics for us. Mark Thomas. Hi. Thank you for joining us today, Mark. Good, good to be here. I appreciate you having me. Former NFL star with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. What other teams did you play with? 
I played for the San Francisco 49ers. They drafted me in 1992. From there, I went to uh, the Carolina Panthers. The first two years, they were in existence. That was great. And then Chicago Bears, and I finished up in 2001 here in Indianapolis. Oh, my gosh. So so you barely played in Indianapolis with the Colts. The only team I remembered you from was was your least uh, <laughs> tenured team. Yeah, well, I was here for three years, and then I was in San Francisco for three years, and then two each with Carolina and Chicago. Out of uh, North Carolina State, right? Correct. The and Wolfpack. The Wolfpack. And we love the Wolfpack because of the Jim Valvano yeah. connection with uh, the Jimmy V Foundation. But uh, you know what? Just real quick about Jimmy V. Uh, what was that like going to North Carolina State? What, what year? Were you there when they started the, the Jimmy V Foundation? Or I, You know what? I was there. When I first got to North Carolina State, I got there in 1987. And that was right toward the end of Jimmy V's career. And so, yeah, he was an amazing guy. Had a few opportunities to meet him there when uh, we were in the chow hall and got to see him. And uh, great coach, obviously, uh, what his foundation's doing and just the kind of man he was. And uh, the legacy he left behind at NC State was great. But I didn't, I didn't get a whole lot of time in them. And I really hadn't heard of NC State until I went there, <laughs> surprisingly <laughs> enough. But, From uh, where? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Atlanta, just outside okay. Atlanta in a suburb, uh, Stone Mountain, Georgia, and didn't really know NC State existed until they started recruiting me uh, out of high school. But loved my experience there, and it, and it got me where I needed to be in the NFL. And how many years in the, in the NFL? Ten, ten years total. That's fantastic. A ten-year veteran of the National Football League. And now uh, I find this fascinating. You are um, the instigator, the originator, the founder, the founding pastor of, of a church, your own church. Am I saying – is this the right description? Yeah, yeah. I was part of – I was one of a few guys who, who was the founding members of the church we started back in 2003. And I came on staff originally from, from the beginning. I've been here uh, as a pastor on staff from the very beginning. And uh, it's been fanta- fantastic. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to win a Super Bowl when I was with San Francisco. And I have to say that, that what I get to do now is probably as exciting as winning a Super Bowl. I mean, we're actually in the uh, auditorium, I suppose you'd yes. call it, where you actually have service on Sundays. This is called the Church for the Nations. And just real quick, is there a, a digital property, churchforthenations.org, or how can our listeners look this up? Sure. You can go to CFTN, which is for Church for the Nations, CFTNindy.com. That's our website. And it's just it's fascinating to me that a guy that played 10 years in the NFL would uh and I'm sure it wasn't this easy but in my head I'm thinking okay you're playing football one day and then you wake up the next day and say you know what I'm going to start a church. Uh, did I simplify that or how did this happen? Well you know it, it it's not overly simplified. I, toward the end of my career I started thinking about you know what am I going to do post career and and I think one of the things about athletes is athletes never see the end coming. And in this business, it's one day you're an athlete, the next day you're not. Um, There's no real preparation for the end. Uh, And toward the end of my career, uh, I started thinking, what do I really want to do? And one of the things I felt called to was the ministry. And actually, originally when I retired, I went to work with an athletic ministry uh, based out of Austin, Texas. Didn't know originally that I would end up being a pastor in a local church. It wasn't until uh, my first year out, I had spent a year uh, in the athletic ministry and actually traveled back to Indianapolis to do a, a few Bible studies that I realized, you know, my heartbeat and my passion really was with the local church, not solely with athletes, surprisingly enough, even though I used to be one. 
And so after being out of football for a year, um, we decided that the Bible study that had begun when I was on the team here in Indianapolis, it had gotten up to around 40 or 50 people. And our heart was originally to see a church planted in Indianapolis. And so when that talk started again, I just really realized that I felt like the Lord had called me and prepared me that this is where he wanted me and that I was supposed to come back to be an integral part of beginning the church. And here we are almost 10 years later, uh, and it's still going. And, you know, when I look at this building and look at what uh, we have here with, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a, for our listeners, I just want to really quickly describe the the stage. I don't know if, if that's, if I can call it that, uh, the altar, the platform, I, uh, the, platform uh, the riser, there's a full drum kit, the keyboards. I'm sure there's some great music here on Sundays. And um, I think about, you know, what it would take to manage this. I mean, you have to have... Uh, some business acumen as well. I mean, this stuff isn't, somebody's got to pay for this. So you're running a small business and you are the lead pastor of a church. I mean, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. You know, the, the interesting thing about the church world is you're working primarily with volunteers. Uh, It's one thing to have an employee. It's another thing to have to, uh, gather together a group of volunteers that really are doing things because they they love what they do. They have vision for what, what you've put before them, and you can get people excited about that vision because it's just difficult to work with volunteers and get things done consistently when you're basically working with an all-volunteer basis. And that's the great thing about it, though, that I love is that I, I get to kind of share my heart on what uh, we feel like the Lord has called us to do as a, as a local church, and then the, we get to try to inspire people uh, to that vision and to see that as exciting. And, and yes, there is a managerial side and, and leading the staff and leading the ministry teams. And I will say that that's probably one of the areas that uh, coming out of a football background was uh, – I will say fun and a real stretch for me uh, in my own leadership and learning how do you lead people? Um, It's one thing to lead yourself, but how do you lead people and lead people well, lead people effectively and lead people righteously? And and, and it's been a great 10-year experience. I know uh, made a lot of mistakes early on, but I've I've been surrounded by some great people, studied a lot of great uh, leaders. I love John Maxwell, love his leadership stuff. Um, But it's exciting. It's fun. And it's really exciting when you get to do it with a group of people that you really love. Mark Thomas is our guest, 10-year veteran of the NFL and now founding member and pastor at Church of the Nations um, Church. And um, I wanted to ask you, when you started this church, why not um, just become a member of an already existing church? Why start from scratch to build something brand new? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think, number one, God begins to, to plan a vision in your heart for what he's called you to. And, you know, there's a lot of fantastic churches in the city of Indianapolis. And, and one of the things that we felt very strongly was that the Lord had called me specifically and us, the team that came originally that started the church in 2003, to to just a unique perspective and and. and kind of just we all the churches in, in this city just have a different call a different feeling a different flavor a different part to play in the in the greater body of Christ and and really felt very strongly that the Lord had a unique um, part that we were to play and it's just a part we're just a part of the whole um, we're not better we're just different um, and so the Lord just began to put the seed of that vision in our hearts and 
And we felt very strongly that it, we weren't going to be able to go into an existing church and try to that already has a leadership, that already has a vision, that already has a call, that already has a direction. That really, what the Lord was asking us to do was to see something birthed that the city didn't have, and to do something just different because He wanted to just bring another aspect of the kingdom of God into the city of Indianapolis. And so that's been our heart, and that's why we started from the beginning, so uh, we could plant something that we felt like the Lord could could do something through to be a blessing in the city and that we could partner with some of the churches here uh, in the city to, to do something great. When you preach, does it ever come out, you know, you, you were a defensive end in the NFL. Does that come out? You know, when it's fourth down and the Lord is on your side. I mean, is that, do, you, do you wear shoulder pads yeah. when you're speaking? You know, it's fun. It's funny. There, there are definite moments that I, I use the football analogies. I mean, that that was such a big part of my life. I mean, I retired. Uh, I think I was thirty three when I retired. So I had almost twenty five, twenty six years of being an athlete. I mean, it's so part of who I am and who I was that, that there's no way that I can get up and, and preach the word and, and share for my own life and that not be interwoven into it. I, I don't try to overdo it because. Yeah. I think it can be overdone, and not everybody can relate to the to being an athlete. But there are there are moments where I, I bring it in. You know, one thing about Jesus that I loved is Jesus basically taught through parables. He taught through real life examples, and that's a real life example that many times you can take the truth of the word and you just wrap it in flesh. You paint a picture for people, and it helps, and and it helps also get people kind of into my heart and and when I share and I try to be vulnerable and I try to share from my own struggles, my own life experiences, and that is a part of who I am. Um, and I can't shy away from that, but I just try to keep it in balance and try not to overdo it so people are like, okay, enough of the football stories. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. I have to admit it. My church, the pastors never uh, sacked Brett Favre. Uh, have, have you sacked Brett Favre? You know, I've actually sacked. I have have actually sacked him. I've I've been able to smack him around a little. I remember one of my favorite hits against him was when I played with the Carolina Panthers. It was the year they went to the Super Bowl. It was the NFC Championship game? I believe it was minus thirty two wind chill. It was brutally cold, and I had a great hit on him, and I was bummed. We ended up losing that game, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. But here we are in our second year of existence, one game from the Super Bowl. And that was uh, just two years after I'd already been to the Super Bowl, so I was really excited. But, yeah, I had several opportunities to hit Brett, uh, playing for Chicago Bears, playing those guys twice a year. Uh, I had a lot of respect for him, but it felt really – there was a few guys in my career that felt good to sack. He was one of them. Dan Marino was another one. I, I like taking him down too. <laughs> So this might be the next sermon here at the church, the, the Dan Marino speech. Yeah, I mean, I can think of uh, of several uh, interesting things that have happened in a 10-year career, the things I've heard, the things I've seen. I do. I have enough preaching material for a year with what I went through. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Mark Thomas is our guest, uh, 10 years in the NFL, college football defensive end from North Carolina State, and now uh, a preacher with uh, the Church for the Nations, and it's CFTN. I'm sorry, CFTNindy.com. Dot com. Dot com. What is next for the church? Um, I assume you grow. I assume, you know, what is that outreach? How do, how do you get new members? You know, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, that's always the million-dollar question. I, I think that... My focus and our focus as as a as a congregation and as a leadership 
our, our primary goal is not to grow. Healthy things grow. Our goal is to be healthy, to, to produce healthy, wholehearted followers of Christ. And we believe with all of our hearts, when people meet Jesus, when they know who he is in their life, when they understand what they've been saved from, when they understand all that God has done for them in Christ and who they are in Christ, when they understand their identity, the byproduct of a healthy, vibrant, dynamic, real, ongoing relationship with Jesus is you want to tell people about this Jesus. Um, that will help the church grow because when you're healthy and when, you're, when you have that kind of relationship, you tell people that don't have that relationship about this Jesus. And when that happens and people then learn about Jesus, the natural next step, because we believe in being in the local church, part of people's growth is being in a healthy local church. And so what we try to help our members do is as you're sharing your faith with your friends, your coworkers, your family members, when they hear this message, then, then you bring them. And then we'll grow. The, the goal isn't just bring your friends to church. The goal is ha have a fantastic relationship with Jesus that you're so passionately in love with him that you want to share this with other people. And when they fall in love with Jesus, say, hey, by the way, you need to be in a church. And then bring them. So it's, it's, it's growth that way. We never set out to, as a primary goal to grow. We, don't, we, we want to grow. Um, I think we should grow, and if we're healthy, we'll grow. We want to see more influence. We want to see more impact in the city for good, um, and part of that is getting bigger and, and having more influence and having synergy and all those things that growth brings. But honestly, that is never the primary goal, and, and, and everything we do is not with a view towards simply numerical growth because numerical growth doesn't necessarily mean you're a healthy church. There's several, not that I'll name them, but there's several churches in America that are huge, and I wouldn't say that they're healthy. And mm -hmm. their health does not equal big. Um, I want us to grow. I want us to be big, but not for the sake of being big, but for the sake of uh, impacting the kingdom of God. Well, Mark, uh, I appreciate your, your heart and your, your faith and your service, and, uh, and I appreciate you coming on the show. We wish you the best of luck. Mark Thomas, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. And now, a truly inspirational story on The Adam Ritz Show. We have a very special guest now. I'm at Furman College in Greenville, South Carolina, with Luke. Hi, Luke. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. You are Luke Christie. That's a cool name. That's like a, that's a kind of fake name that famous people want to have. It's three syllables. It's sharp consonants. Luke Christie. That's a great radio name. Broadcasting live with Luke Christie. Thanks. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Never had anybody tell me that before, but glad that it has that ring to it. Well, you know what? It's a, it's a celebrity name, and you are um, becoming a celebrity. You are the national spokesperson, or is it the national junior spokesperson for the Muscular Dystrophy Association? That's right. I am the national youth chairman for the Muscular Dystrophy Association, and in that role, I have the privilege of representing uh, MDA to the country in a way. I work mostly, though, with our young adult groups, our youth sponsors, and those include, but are not necessarily limited to, uh, Kappa Alpha Order Fraternity, uh, DECA, which is a high school and college association of business and marketing students, 
and the National Beta Club, which is a service-oriented academic honor society for middle and high school students. Uh, and these guys raise money uh, and awareness for MBA throughout the year with chapter fundraisers and uh, events that they organize on their schools and uh, campuses. And so I work with them and provide resources, uh, provide information about MDA, thank them for the work that they're doing, and just try to help out in any way that I can. So in that way, I am basically just a liaison from MDA to our sponsors because as a nonprofit, we couldn't do anything that we do without the support of uh, those guys. So, and and as a youth, it's it's especially cool for me to get to work with people my own age. Uh, I really really enjoy that. And you're a stu- college student at Furman, uh, 19 years old. You told me, how does uh, being a spokesperson for MDA uh, affect your studies on campus? Is there a lot of travel? Do you, uh, as an ambassador for MDA, are you coast to coast and you get to miss a couple of tests? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the it does pose its its own set of challenges. Um, actually. And, and I suppose this makes sense. Working with youth groups, are they're very conscious of academic schedules because we're working with, with fellow students. And so a lot of my travel takes place in the summer. Uh, for example, KA's national convention uh, is every other year, and it's always in the summer before school starts. It's definitely worth it, and uh, it's just such an amazing opportunity. And it's, it's like I said, something that I, I really love to do. But it's, it's a balance, and, um, and I think it's, it's one that I've worked to develop over the years, and, and I think if you can do it, then it's, it's something you should definitely do. So muscular dystrophy, uh, the uh, disease, uh, you know, for, uh, for our listeners, w- what is it, and how, do you, uh, how does it affect you? Well, muscular dystrophy is actually an umbrella term that uh, is it's a category of diseases. We have a total of 43 that are covered um, specifically under that name and by the Muscular Dystrophy Association. They're all neuromuscular diseases. Uh, they're degenerative uh, skeletal muscular diseases, which basically means that uh, somewhere in your nervous system, your neurotransmitting processes, the, the, the signals are not making it to your muscles to develop and then um, to, to, to work properly. So because the, the, there's a spectrum of diseases, they affect people differently. Some people um, have the ability to walk but may trip and fall easily. Um, others don't have that ability to walk and they use um, a wheelchair or, or other type of assistive equipment. Uh, my form is a, a genetic form on birth onset. So I've, I've had um, my form of MD since I was born. And um, I, I use a power wheelchair, tool around campus, and go faster than pretty much everybody else, <laughs> all of my friends. Um, you know, so, and, and it's a, like I said, it's a wide range. We've got people who, like, like me, uh, were born with these diseases and have, have faced roughly the same set of challenges their entire lives. And then we have people who there are later onset diseases. So, you may not recognize any symptoms until teenage years, young adulthood, or even beyond that. One of our famous, for lack of a better term, diseases that a lot of people know about is uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, or more commonly known as Lou Gehrig's disease. It's the disease that famous baseball player Lou Gehrig died from. And it is a, a, a disease that always hits in adulthood, and it, it literally attacks every muscle in the body so that a very fit and fully functional person um, starts to lose all of their 
muscular abilities. Some of the sharpest people I know, mentally, they're, they're smart, they're motivated, um, but they lose complete control of their body. Um, and so we always say that, that a person like that is, is trapped inside a body that, that will no longer function for them. Our guest is Luke Christie. He's the Youth National Chairman of uh, MDA, and you mentioned, you, you just talked about Labor Day and uh, raising money, and for my generation, we grew up with Jerry Lewis in the MDA telethon over Labor Day weekend. Now, you've been on that show. I have, absolutely. I've, I've appeared on what was the Jerry Lewis telethon a number of times. You've met Jerry Lewis. I have met Jerry Lewis. Jerry is a, he's a great guy. I always tell people that meeting and spending time with Jerry is like being in one of his movies. <laughs> if you've ever seen an old Jerry Lewis movie, because that's his personality. He is that funny and goofy um, in real life, but he also has a real heart for um, his kids, Jerry's kids, and, and the MDA cause. He's, he has since retired, and is, um, I actually saw an interview not long ago. Uh, he's making uh, a new movie, really? possibly his last, but... Um, it's, it's, it's exciting, and, and he's doing great things um, and is retired in his official capacity with us, but will always okay. have a special place. Now, you were telling me earlier that uh, you're actually on, I guess, the board to try to decide how to make the new MDA telethon, post-Jerry Lewis, uh, how, how to make it relevant in today's, I guess, attention span or social media. or, or how, What are you doing with this? Nah, that's right. The, the telethon is, is undergoing, has been undergoing um, a, lot of, a lot of changes. The broadcast... For 2012, which took place on Sunday, September 2nd, was called for the first time the MDA Show of Strength. And um, it was a three-hour superstar show um, with with a high-energy, high-octane impact effect. And um, I I think it was very successful. It was a great show to watch. We had a lot of younger celebrities, hopefully some people that will reach my generation and the, and the youth that I work with, and we're continuing to develop that um, in a good way. One way in which we have really facelifted the telethon, and we've focused on this all throughout the year now, is through the use of social media. So we've had, we, we plug the MDA Facebook, um, which is facebook.com slash MDA national. Okay. Um, and we also do the same with Twitter, and that, that handle is at MDA News. And we, we, with the show, we had uh, special tweets from our celebrities about our celebrities. Because the show was shorter than usual, we had all of our celebrities record two numbers, and one of them uh, appeared on the broadcast on television. The other one was an exclusive online-only, kind of a backstage extras-type thing that you could only access if you were following us and keeping up with our social media stuff throughout the show. And that was very, very popular. So that's the kind of thing that we're doing to, to evolve and, and involve the new tools, which, which really make an impact. And that's, I tell people that all the time. I have people, um, and I understand this, you know, it's a lot of times people have difficulty asking other people for money. It's a, it's a tight economy where we're strapped, and, and we all understand that. But there's also a huge impact you can make in just raising awareness, just talking about the issues and just saying, um, I want to do something. Maybe I don't have a hundred bucks to give, um, or, or even a dollar to give. And I always say every dollar matters. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter how small the amount, it makes a difference. But even if you can't do that, um, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, 
retweet our stuff. We put out all kinds of stuff about our research, and that makes an impact just by raising awareness to all of our, our listeners out there. You know, that's a fantastic point. If you can't give money, just keep the conversations going, the awareness going. The Twitter is at MDA News. Follow them, retweet them, and then the Facebook is slash MDA National. Follow them or like them and, and share all their stuff on, on that page as well. Now, let's say we do have some money and want to give it to you. What's the best uh, digital avenue to give money to the organization, MDA? Well, you can you can do a simple, secure online donation at www.mda.org. Um, and that's anybody, anywhere can do that. That's an easy way to do it. If you want to get involved a little more locally, I would encourage you to do so. Also, go on mda.org, zip code mda.org. Got it. He's Luke Christie, uh, National Youth Chairperson for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Before I let you go, how can our listeners um, follow what you're doing? What is your Twitter and your Facebook? I, I am on Twitter, and I, I tweet actually a lot about my work with MDA, um, in fact, you know when I'm not traveling because my, my feed kind of gets a little quiet for a while. So usually when I'm on the road, I'm, I'm on it all the time, and I keep everybody updated. So my handle is at Luke, D as in dog, Christy, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E. Um, so it's at Luke D. Christy, um, no capital letters or anything. Make it easy for folks. You dog. What's the D for? That's right. Uh, my middle name is Darby. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was dog. No, so it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Luke D. Christy. And then Facebook is uh, LD, again, D as in dog, Christy82. All right. Yeah, well, absolutely. I'm telling you, it's just been a pleasure to have you on the show. Best of luck with everything you do. We can't wait to watch you on national television on, uh, on every year's uh, MDA telethon over Labor Day weekend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to you. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks to all of your listeners and to everybody out there. We hope that you'll consider MDA when thinking of service opportunities. As I always tell people, uh, use your strengths to help those who don't have it. Make a muscle, make a difference for MDA. Thanks so much. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.